trails of troubles, rows of battles, paths of victory, we shall walk. The road is dusty, the road is a mighty rough, that a road is a wing, the day is not far off. Good afternoon and welcome to WEHC 90.7. This is Sharon Bowers and Carly Blaylock, and we will be talking today on She Walks about women and leadership. And Carly, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I think we read an article, we shared an article, and the article was about why the world needs more female leaders. I think it was by Alicia Alicia Gant or someone like that, but it just got us to thinking about why does Emory and Henry need more women leaders? Why does uh, Virginia need more women leaders? Then why does the world need more women leaders? So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, and we hope that if you have any questions that you'll be sure to call in and uh, contact us and let us know that you have some questions or some comments or some feedback. Carly, what, what was one of the main takeaways you, you took from that article? Yeah, so I think the article kind of starts out talking about leadership in general and, you know, some statistics about women CEOs make up 6.4% of the Fortune 500 list in America. Obviously, that's women as a whole, and that doesn't break down, you know, how many of those positions are held by women of color. But it just sort of talks about, you know, gender diverse units, gender diverse companies tend to have a better financial outcome. Um, And it talks about this idea that we don't really see um, the way that women lead as um, viable leadership. We still have a very white cis male perspective on what a good leader is. And one of the things that this article says is that women in general Um, not all women, of course, but women in general tend to lead with self-awareness, emotional attunement, humility, and authenticity, and that those qualities make them excellent leaders. But because we don't really always see those qualities as what we think of as a quote-unquote leader, that sometimes those qualities can get sort of like sidelined, or maybe they're not worth as much, or we don't really think of those qualities as making a good leader. Yeah. I, I, I thought one of the things that, that I thought was, yeah, that was interesting. And also just the perspective of, of um, what happens to women in leadership. And I, and I thought about this, this wasn't so much in the article, but this was a segue for me. I thought about, you know, how difficult it is for women to lead with in the Me Too, Me Too movement, you know, with sexual harassment or all of the kinds of things that happen to women in leadership that don't really happen to men in leadership. You know, men don't have to necessarily, and this is a generalization, but men don't have to as much worry about being sexually harassed. And then I imagine for a lot of men, if there is some harassment, they're not going to claim it because of stereotypes. You know, they're going to just see it as somebody thinks I'm hot, quote unquote, instead of somebody is harassing me because they think I'm hot, quote unquote. Um, So I thought that was interesting. They mentioned that Uber sexual harassment thing and Google and I just started thinking about all the corporations. I mean, in the last uh, the last year, year and a half, maybe two years, look at how many quote unquote stereotypical male kingdoms have fallen 
as a result, these are high powered leaders, but you know, they've fallen as a result of just a more of an awareness of sexual harassment uh, has caused that to happen. And so I think women leading in a, in a different perspective, I think that's, that's important because I do believe that we bring a different skill set to leadership. Now, I, I don't think, you know, some say, oh, well, women aren't as ambitious. I think we are equally as ambition, as ambitious as men. It's just that our ambition is looked at differently because the expectation that goes along with that. Absolutely. And that's in this article as well. 68% of women and 67% of men that were polled here um, wanted to get promoted to the next level in their, in their fields. Um, so you can see that's neck and neck. 44% of men and 48% of women wanted to become top, exe- top executives, so like lead their fields. However, 25% of women believed that it was likely for them to become a top executive, whereas 42% of men believed that it was likely. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into why a woman may or may not be able to reach that level. And of course, there's the societal pressures as well of, you know, feeling like you have to choose between your career and your family, which is a choice that a lot of men do not feel the societal pressure to make. Yeah, I'm reading this book on the side. It's a, it's a, you know, I, I belong to this book club. And so you have to read whatever books they want to want you to read. You don't get the choice. And so this person's choice uh, is, I think the author is Diane Chamberlain, and I cannot remember the name of the book right now, but I started reading it and I sent a message to my colleagues and I said, who chose this book? Because it's full of sexism. It's full of racism. You know, it's full of heteronormativity. It's full. Of, and, and sometimes when you've been used to reading one way, it's hard to not do that. And I said all that to say, this is really why I'm getting off the subject, but it was so stereotypical. The woman wanted to work. The husband was a doctor. She wanted to be a job, work as a social worker. It was set back in the early days when uh, segregation was premium and she was a social worker and she was going to have some quote unquote colored clients and all that. And all what was built into that was the expectation, as you just said, the expectation of, of a woman. She wanted, she had a briefcase. She wanted to move ahead. She wanted to progress, but society was telling her, and we're not too far from that now. Society's telling you to stay home and you to have the baby. Uh, society's telling you to raise the baby. Society's telling you that your job is supplementary instead of your job being the main job. And in situations where in, in uh, heteronormative marriages where the woman chooses to, to have the career and the man doesn't, it's really frowned upon in our society. So that, that the two-ism, if you will, of trying to lead and trying to be a woman is difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it also comes back to the idea of what we think of as a professional person, the qualities that are sort of celebrated in the professional world, um, and even in leadership as well. They are white, cis, male qualities. Um, these these kind of domineering um you know, everything's about power, everything's about authority, everything's about competition. And that that is the only way to lead, is to lead from those structures. And we know that that's not true, but still, even now, you know, people still very much think of a leader as the quote unquote great man, right? The one that's willing to make the tough choices and willing to, you know, do the dirty work and all of that. 
well, that's not always what's required in leadership. And that's not always the right leadership model. And there are a lot of different ways to lead. And it doesn't always have to be that rigid. Yeah. And, and I think that I read this one article about what uh, seven, I think it was seven lessons that men can learn from women in leadership. And so they were talking about some of those same things. And, and what we say is qualifications for leadership really isn't. You know, they're, they're only behaviors that men who are in leadership can exhibit. Because when women who are aspiring to be in leadership or women who are in leadership act that same way, they are taken down. And I, one, one thing I read was about how people respond to a male leader that exhibits the same behavior versus a female leader that exhibits the same behavior and how unfairly they treat them, how it was a likability study or something. And, the, and, and I remember reading it and it said something about exhibiting the same characteristics in a man and a woman, the people that work for them are less likely to like the woman, but like the man, the right. same, same characteristics. Right. It goes back to that whole conversation around, am I being assertive or am I being, you know, catty or whatever, you know, like a, a man being assertive and powerful, those same qualities on a woman, well, she's going to be difficult and hard to work with. And, you know, she just thinks she knows it all and, you know, those sorts of things. And it's like, well, why are those qualities celebrated in this male leader and demonized in this female leader? And one of the articles that we also are going to kind of use today is, um, it's got a very long name, so hold on. <laughs> it's the Phenomological Study on the Leadership Development of African-American Women Executives in Academia. Um, wow, Carly, can you say that again? <laughs> yeah. Can you say that again? <laughs> no, definitely will not. Um, but the opening um, is really interesting because it talks about, you know, when we think of a leader, what we tend to think about is the quote unquote great man. And by that, they mean great social, political, and military leaders throughout history. Well, who have those leaders more than likely been? They've usually been mm -hmm. almost entirely men, usually white men, um, usually straight white men. So, you know, when we think of leadership traits, those are the traits that we naturally think of. And it's hard to kind of get that programming you know, out of our brains. And so when we think of women leaders, we often think of women who display those similar traits. So when women are picked for leadership development, oh, this woman has those qualities that could make her a good leader. It's often those same qualities. And what's, what's unfortunate about that is it requires women to behave in this very structured way that white straight men behave. And it, it makes women kind of sort of change their leadership styles, change the way that they interact in a professional setting um, instead of seeing other forms of leadership as valid. Um, and this is of course true for women, but particularly for women of color as this um, article talks more specifically about that experience and how um, you know, a lot of women, but particularly women of color have to subjugate their experiences and subjugate part of themselves in the professional workspace because otherwise they're not gonna be picked for these leadership development um, opportunities because their forms of leadership and their lived experience isn't seen as valid. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not gonna lament in our little short time that we have here, but I can really identify to that as an African-American woman with some of those characteristics and as a leader. Uh, often my passion 
you know, I'm passionate about many things and leadership is one of them. And I, I am considered a leadership expert in some circles, quote unquote, uh, and I'm very passionate about leadership, but my passion often translates into, instead of assertiveness, it translates into aggressiveness. And so you take a African-American woman and I say it like this, a big, black, beautiful, brilliant woman. That's who I say that I am. Well, those characteristics all together are ominous for some people. They're very, it's like, I can't take that. That's too much. And so when I walk in a room, sometimes it's overkill for people because now, but a black man can walk in a room without those same characteristics and be accepted because of their maleness. So I have experienced it firsthand. It is, it is not pleasant to just want to be you. And, and, and then also sometimes to see people see your gifts and want to, I say, sometimes they want to covet my gifts. They want to use my gifts, but they don't want it for me to get any use out of it. They want it to be for their use, but not for me to benefit from it. So often my knowledge, skill, and ability does not translate into dollars in corporate America. Yeah. And I think too, that whole difference between assertive and aggressive, or even powerful and difficult, like if you are to advocate on behalf of yourself, are you seen as powerful or are you seen as being difficult? And Mm -hmm, I feel like that's mm -hmm. something that women in general definitely um, deal with, but particularly women of color, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, And I think that you know, when we're we're in academia. So when we start talking about academia and we shift a little bit and we talk about who's in charge, I mean, you just look around the country and look and see who are the presidents of colleges. The presidents of colleges are overwhelmingly white and male. And they're also the keepers, if you will, of knowledge. And so they're they're the purveyors, if you will, of knowledge. And so they get to say from a hegemonic perspective, what works and what doesn't. And so I think that that prevents some women from being powerful leaders also is because, as you said earlier, they just don't fit into the white cisgender norm. It's just not there. Yeah. And and it it shouldn't have to be. (laughs) No. And what you're saying is exactly what this article is saying, you know, that traditionally um, the dominant organizational structure um, in academia and in business has conceptualized African-American women as outsiders, that they are outside of the norm, quote unquote. And so because of that, the pathway to leadership development has faced unique challenges because oftentimes African-American women leaders are expected to diminish their personal identity, their self-concept, to maximize their quote-unquote perceived leadership ability. And what happens then, of course, is that many African-American leaders, um, women leaders in particular, will decide to refrain from their full authentic expression in order to receive acceptance, right? Um, Because it's like, well, I want this career goal, so I guess I'm going to have to play the game, you know? And it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't. And I know personally, again, I don't want to get on the soapbox today because I want us all to talk about women in leadership. And we're leading up to Women's History Month, and we're going to have some really, Carly and I talked today, we're going to have some real powerful things going on at the uh, the college during Women's History Month, that's going to benefit the whole community. But I, I, I think that somebody said to me the other day, they said, Sharon, what are you doing? And I told them what they're doing. They said, oh, you can run that whole college. And we started laughing. You know, we just started laughing. And and I, I, if President Wells is listening, I hope he doesn't think I want, to, I want his job. But I mean, I could do his job, quote unquote, is what they were saying. And, and 
And, and I took that as a compliment, but I think sometimes, even though you can do something, it doesn't mean that you get the benefit of doing it. You know, Carly, you could run this whole college, but will you get the benefit of doing it? And sometimes we understand that it takes qualifications and all those things that we have deemed to be the qualifications for you to do something. And, and they're set in stone and we have to abide by them. But, but often uh, women and especially women, women and women of color, it is a difficult kind of challenging thing for uh, our leadership skills to be recognized. And, and I think it's the, I read one article about in academia, they said like that, um, I forget what the percentage was, it was like 30% of the college presidents are women, uh, when 50% of the heads of the departments are actually women. So sometimes it's skewed. It's like, as a woman, it says you can come so far, but only you can only get this far. You really can't be the person that has the final say, when in actual fact, women have the knowledge, skill, and ability to do that. And I think the same article said that, you know, there's only 5% of college presidents that are, are um, racially or ethnic minorities or are diverse. So the keepers of the academy are, as we said earlier, white, predominantly cis male, you know, I mean, that's who, that's who says yes or no. That's also who says who can be hired. And from a social similarity perspective, people probably hire the people that are they're most similar to. I'm not even saying that they're racist or bigots. I'm just saying it, it's easier if you hang around people who are more like you or most like you. And so the black woman, if you will, is the least likely of anything that's normative. <laughs> Shouldn't be, but it is. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, if you are one of those women who gets to be in a leadership position, how are you treated? What is expected of you? And, you know, I feel very much that there is a lot of research to suggest that leniency for mistakes, leniency for, you know, what, what's your personality, right? Those sorts of things. They don't, women don't get that same leniency. We are expected to be pleasant. We are expected to be put together the way that we look, the way that we behave. Um, if we make mistakes, you know, it's judged much more harshly. And I feel like all of that is to say that, you know, even if you get that position, even if you get to be a leader, are you going to stay a leader because of the pressure that you're under? And, uh, you know, we've had this old dilemma for a long time, white women, black women, the feminist movement, the black feminist movement, all of that. I mean, sometimes, again, the person who will get to be the leader will be a white woman as opposed to a black woman or other minor, other othered uh, women. Yeah. So the, the who can and who cannot is often shaped by what feels most comfortable for white men. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, it's more comfortable for them to, and then even for how I've had situations where white women have been powerful white women, but they've acted in a way that was uh, agreeable to white male leadership. I've acted the same way and I've been ousted, mm-hmm. you know, only because I, I've used the same, but, but I've heard how powerful a colleague of mine is who's, who acts the same way I act. They just happen to be white. Right. So white women get away with a lot of things that black women could not or, or don't get away with. I wanted to read a couple of these to you, Carly. This was from that article I said earlier. It's just a real, it's kind of a colloquial article, but it had some really good things. It's the leadership lessons from uh, for men. And I just wanted to go over a couple of them and just kind of get some feedback from you. Like one of the ones they said was, don't lean in when you've got nothing to lean in about. And what they were just saying that 
that uh, telling women to lean in to qualities like assertiveness, boldness, and confidence, it's not the same for men. Men, when they lean in, men lean in like with self-promotion, with credit for their others' achievements. For uh, And so they're saying that there's a difference between uh, that for men and for women. And women, we don't go where we don't know. I, that's a Sharon Bowersism, but we don't go where we don't know. But men go where they don't know. Yeah, um, I believe <laughs> a very common thing you'll see on a lot of like uh, coffee mugs and T-shirts and stuff is, um, "Lord, grant me the confidence of a mediocre white man." And what they mean by that? Wow, <laughs> I haven't seen that. Get me yeah. one of those, Carly. Get me I one will of those. Give you one. Um, <laughs> But of course, what they mean by that is that, yes, you're exactly right. There's a lot of people who don't have the knowledge or the history or the understanding of a topic that feel that they can just put their two cents in. And a lot of times those people are men, whereas women are expected to be experts in their field before they speak up. Um, and a lot of times we'll do that to ourselves too, because that's how we've been socialized. So we may have a good idea or we may have something that we think might work, but we'll choose to stay quiet because we may not know the ins and outs of how that process is actually going to work. And so we may not have all the answers. And so we just choose to stay quiet. Yeah, we, 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 we try to stay at our level of competency where, where men, and this is a generalization where some men will go out there on a limb, not really knowing anything. And like you said, and even change the narrative or change the conversation to something that they know more of, you know, that happens often. Another thing that article said that I thought was good was to know your limitations. And, and they said that, you know, women kind of know their limitations and men can learn a lesson from women by knowing, you know, you don't know any more about this. But to me, sometimes men have been the, the biggest filibusters, you know, ever on the face of this earth, you know. And, and like I said, if they don't know, if they don't know what they're talking about, they're, they're quick to switch and, and transfer it to something that they do know more of, that they are more knowledgeable of. And that happens in conversations, especially in boardrooms a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And they, another one, they said that men can learn from women is to be motivated through transformation. And they said academic studies show that women are more likely to lead through inspiration, transforming people's attitudes and beliefs and aligning people with meaning and purpose rather than through carrots and sticks than men are. So they were saying this transformational leadership is linked to higher levels of team engagement, performance, productivity, et cetera, et cetera. So they said it'd be a good idea for men to start looking from a transformational perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's this idea of championing, championing tradition, like, well, we've always done it this way. And that's not always the best way to do it just because it's the way we've always done it. And that aligns perfectly with the um, article I was referencing earlier According to this article, you know, they did some surveys and asked some questions, um, but African-American women leadership behaviors, the ones that they picked out that these were the, the behaviors that these uh, African-American women leaders were exhibiting were creativity, risk-taking, boundary-spanning, divergent thinking, and behavioral complexity. Um, they also talked about communicating directly, being autonomous, being confident, being independent and being assertive. And all of those things, when you think about those words and you're not attaching them to a gender identity, those are great leadership qualities. And that those are the qualities that these women leaders, these African-American women leaders are presenting. They're creative, they're, they're you know, willing to take risks where other people might not. And yet we look down on those women leaders or we don't yeah. see when we think of, just picture a leader in your brain, that's probably not the person that you're gonna pick. 
So why is that? You know, black women, those qualities uh, seem out of place for for the, the the keepers, you know, the the leadership keepers, the dominant leadership people, the white male cisgender, those characteristics seem out of place. One one that I was in that article, it said, put yourself. It was telling men, men male leaders, to put your people ahead of yourself. And they the, the article just said that men, like what you're saying now, men lead in a primarily a narcissistic way. They put themselves first. They want the corner office. They're leading, and and I have watched so many climbers. I mean, men climb and they don't care what they have to do to sell you out. I mean, and that's not to say that women can't do that also, but men will use all of your foibles, your dalliances, anything that you have to climb and they will get on top of you and they will, before you know it, they will have the corner office and you'll, you'll look and you'll say, now look at my qualifications, look at their qualifications. Why are they there? And I'm here. And, and it's those kind of those uh, those reasons of, and, and sometimes I think male leaders just see a destiny and they decide they're gonna get there come hell or high water, whatever the sacrifice has to be, family, friends, anything, yeah. they're gonna get there. And so that's where that kind of men are, are more self-focused than women kind of plays out. And, and I'm not sure, but if a woman tries to do that same thing, they're dog, they're talked about. Right, absolutely. I mean, and and, from what this article's sort of talking about is that women are more creative um, in their organizational structural ideas. They don't all always have to be that. There's one person at the top, there's two people below that person, there's four people below that person. It doesn't always have to be that way. And that there are other ways to make organizational structures work. And women leaders tend to be more creative in the way that they think about leadership. And so, you know, they do come up with these models that tend to work better. And like you said, you know, getting rid of that carrot and stick mentality is also really important. I know we're almost out of time, but I did want to say these others real quick, and then maybe we can pick up and talk about it another time. But one of the things they said was put that we were talking about, put your people ahead of yourself. The second one was don't command empathize, or the fourth, wherever we are, don't command empathize. And the, the one that I really like, they said, focus on elevating others. And that's really a feminine that's really who we are. And I don't think that's a bad quality that we have, but we do try to figure out how to help others. And we use the feedback that people give to help other people grow. Men don't generally do that. And then they, one of the other things they said is don't say that you're humbled, but be humbled. You know, just be, say what you mean and mean what you say. And, and they were saying that if men could take some of those characteristics uh, from women leadership and kind of put them into place. I think sometimes that happens because men are so mono-focused. Male leadership is mono-focused. It is like, what's before me? And this is the next, you know, this is the next acquirement. This is the next trapping that I need and I'm going to get it no matter what. And if, if there's collateral damage, there's just collateral damage. But uh, uh, women in general don't do that. Women try to put others uh, ahead of themselves. And I think the whole humbled piece is really important as well, because it, it kind of goes back to this idea that, you know, we're all human and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to try things. And sometimes the things that we try are not always going to work out. And I feel like as women, we're okay with that. You know, we're okay if we try something new and it doesn't work and it's like, okay, well, that didn't work. We'll try something else. But a lot of times, if you are so monofocused, like you said, or so like results focused or profit focused or whatever it happens to be that it's like, oh, this has to work. This has to be successful. Um, and it doesn't allow you to take risks or to, you know, try something new or to be creative. 
um, even though there might be a much better way to do something out there. I think uh, those uh, things that I was talking about just then at the end of the article, the the person asked the question, does reading this upset you? And so that would be like, if we're asking our audience, some of the things that we talked about today, does that upset you? And if that has upset you, then why? Is it because of what your location is? Is it because of what you expect? Is it because you can't imagine leadership looking any way other than it looks? And so I think, you know, at the end of the day, men really can learn lessons from women in leadership. It's just whether or not they are willing to. Absolutely. Well, I guess we're probably out of time and we probably need to wrap up or we're over time. We're always, and <laughs> audience, just, just so you know, Carly and I, we've been talking about with, with Ivy, the production manager, we've been talking about going to an hour show. So get ready. We're, we, we think we've got enough to say. We hope you think we've got enough to say. Um, and uh, Carly, you want to give us an, something to take with us today? You have anything? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that ending on that question is really a great thing. Um, If the things that you've heard today have maybe upset you or you felt like, well, I don't know if that's actually true. You know, it's a good opportunity to sort of do some self-reflection and deep dive into your ideas of what leadership is and how you might be able to expand or, you know, be more creative in your ideas of around what leadership is. And we are definitely going to continue this conversation on leadership for a while. I think there's a lot to say here and we're hoping to have some guests on to talk about their leadership qualities and how they lead um, in their areas. So we're really excited about that as well. Well, thank you, Carly. Thank you, audience. And we look forward to to seeing you next week where we continue, as Carly said, to talk about women and leadership and more importantly, women and leadership in the academy. And I would ask you this week to look around and ask yourself the question, who am I leading with? Who am I leading with? And look at your, your, your cohort and see if it really is diverse or if it looks much like you. We'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Pass over victory. We shall walk.